Welcome to the worst writer in the world with me, Rufus, and the titular worst <laughs> writer in the world. Oh my! It's Howard Long. <laughs> Yeah. Finally the reveal, because we've all been wondering all this time <laughs> who is the worst writer in the world. Well, hey, in this episode, people can decide because this episode is going to contain a thing written by you and a thing written by me <gasps> because it's Gret Bitchleaf time again. Hooray! And today is the first of seven daily episodes. Wow. We're going to be releasing these episodes daily for seven days and it's Gret Bitchleaf and the adventure of the complicated head finally <laughs> joining the worst writer in the world universe. Yes. <laughs> the continuing adventures of Gret Bitchleaf, the soft-boiled private dick with a crippling fear of pies. So, Howard, how are you feeling about the impending beginning of an, a brand new Greta Binchleaf book? Well... You excited? I am excited. I mean, I'm not as excited as I was yesterday. Right. Um, and that's simply because it's getting closer to being over and then me having to do it. So I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say that I'm not excited because I don't want to put you off by saying, actually, I'm just the least excited in the world. <laughs> I'm already worried. I'm, not, I'm already not paying attention to your chapter because I'm so busy writing my own right, in my but head. You've got to pay attention to mine in order to write yours. Otherwise, do I? Otherwise, <laughs> chapter do two I? is going to be all about Greg getting stuck in a hole. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, though, is it? And, you know, that was the bit that actually did pay attention. Yeah. yeah. I, if I don't don't pay if villain. I don't pay attention, it'll be a lot shorter. <laughs> yeah. If I pay attention, I'll just be like referencing everything you mentioned. Yeah, okay. So I'm not going to listen to this chapter. <laughs> just let me recap the, the yeah, plot details Yeah, just give me a little crazy at the end. It'll be good to go. <laughs> I'll write the plot so far for next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so no, I'm very excited. Cool. I just don't sound it. <laughs> so it's chapter one, so there's no plot so far. Because, uh, because as we said, it's um, it's a new book. It's not it's not a continuation of any of the previous books. It's not a prequel. It's not even really a sequel. It's just an it's a Gret Binchleaf book. Okay. All right. So it's Gret Binchleaf and the Adventure of the Complicated Head, Chapter One: The Adventure of the Pummeling Fist. Ooh. Once upon a time, there was an untroubled tree. The tree lived in a forest, and being a tree, very rarely went to the cinema. This didn't bother the tree because he was a tree and consequently didn't have emotions. He didn't get excited or jealous or bored, even though every day was basically the same old routine. Wake up in the morning, be a tree, <laughs> continue being a tree, just carry on being a tree, go back to sleep again. Go back to sleep, yeah. Sometimes he'd grow leaves and sometimes his leaves would fall off again. Sometimes he'd photosynthesize, and sometimes apples came out of him. Mm -hmm. But one morning, it was a Monday in November, although the tree didn't know that, what with being a tree and all. One morning, when the tree woke up, he was surprised to find that there was a naked human tied to his trunk. Although he wasn't actually surprised, because, as I may have mentioned, he was a tree. I say, shouted the human, I say, could, could anyone possibly help me? What the tree didn't know, because he was a tree and therefore incapable of knowing anything, was that this man's name was Christopher Pantington. <laughs> and his day had not at all turned out the way he'd hoped it would. Mm. After a pleasing breakfast of boiled liver on toast, Christopher Pantington had made his way to the railway station. He was in a fine mood and had a smile for every stranger he passed even the stinky poor ones. <laughs> yeah. 
He boarded the train, found a seat he felt at one with, and parked his bony behind on it. A glorious day for a trip to the countryside, he said to the man seated opposite. I believe that this train passes right by the cricket ground. (laughs) If we're lucky, perhaps the train will get hit by an errant six, what? The man looked at Christopher Pantington and resolutely did not smile back. I'll hit you with an errant fist if you don't shut your chip (laughs) hole, you four-eyed twit, he said. Christopher Pantington's rectum clenched so hard that diamonds came out. (laughs) (laughs) The man was enormous in every respect. (laughs) Tall, wide, with a head the size of a beach ball and hands like gigantic slabs of dangerous pork. Christopher Pantington was terrified. Too terrified, in fact, to do the sensible thing and shut his stupid face. Mm. Um, so, um, he stammered, where are you off to today, old chap? The large man stared at him for a moment, as though deciding whether to answer or lean across the table and pound Christopher's head into squishy brain pickle and then eat the pickle. Mm. I'm going to some flipping boys school in the middle of bleeding nowhere, the man grumbled. <laughs> they better not try and bum me. <laughs> bum you? Why would they do that? (laughs) Well, it's a boys' school, isn't it? A hive of barely repressed homosexual bumming. I've seen films. Uh, Christopher uh. Pantington wondered what kind of films the man had been watching. (laughs) I'm irresistible to women, the man said. It's a lifelong curse. Seriously, I can't have a nice chat with a woman without her trying to ride me like I'm a jet ski with a penis. You might think that sounds good, but sometimes I just want to buy bread and go home without screwing everyone in the supermarket. (laughs) The man belched, blew his mouth gas into Christopher's face and chuckled. (laughs) Okay, that might be a bit of an exaggeration, he admitted, but I did get banned from the old people's home. And I had to get rid of my dog, Betsy. She wouldn't leave my leg alone, horny bitch. Physically, thought Christopher, the man could only be described as repulsive. (laughs) Actually, he could also be described as sweaty, badly dressed and covered in gravy stains. Mm. But despite this, Christopher had to admit there was something strangely magnetic about him. Mm. There's something strangely magnetic about me, the man man explained. (laughs) I think it might have happened during Gret Binchley from The Adventure of the Strange Magnets. (laughs) Or Gret Binchley from The Adventure of Drinking a Magic Potion that Makes You Irresistible to Women. (laughs) Probably that second one, actually, now I think about it. <laughs> uh, excuse me, is that a book? No, it's one of my adventures. I'm Gret Binchley. Oh, you, 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 you <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Gret Binchley. I'm Gret Binchley. Oh, oh, no. yeah. <laughs> it's the curse of me. Oh, gee. <laughs> All right, I might, I'll do that again when he's not a brummy. Just, uh, just get some, <laughs> do some Michael Caine lines and yeah. get yourself in it. I'll tell you what I think. Okay. No, it's one of my adventures. I'm Gret Binchleaf. I'm a detective and I like to name my cases. Except Gret Binchleaf and the adventure of the case with no name on it. <laughs> I still haven't worked out who that case belongs to. Well, there's no name on it. What am I supposed to do? I'm a detective, not a bleeding wizard. <laughs> Just because it's a boys' school, that doesn't mean they're all homosexuals. And even if they are, they're not automatically going to want to bum you. <laughs> and even if they do, just say no. <laughs> I've never been very good at saying no, Gret replied. Do you know how many times I've been married? 
Um, no. Neither do I. I lost count after 90. Hmm. Well, said Christopher, I think that's very telling. I suspect your fear stems from the belief that homosexuals will treat you the same way you treat women, as a sexual object to be used and thrown away. Listen to me, you tiny prat. <laughs> yeah, go, Gret. <laughs> I've never thrown a woman away. I always have them buried properly in the back garden. <laughs> Next to Betsy. It sounds awfully like homophobia to me, dear boy. I'm not a flipping homophobiac, <laughs> Gret said. I don't care who you have sex with, as long as you do it behind closed doors. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, that goes for straight people too. Everyone should close the door. Who has sex with the door open? Close the door, you straight bender! <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yes, I, I suppose that's... Why do you care so much about a school full of barely supervised boys, anyway? <laughs> Asked Gret, eyeing Christopher suspiciously. <laughs> I'm a teacher there, Christopher blurted. The last thing he wanted was for this volatile detective to think he was a predatory paedophile on a day trip. Mm -hmm. I'm to be the new history master. Right, Today... So he, he knows that Gret's a detective. Um, did Gret tell him that? I hope so. It's all right. Yeah, he did. He said, I'm Gret Bishnev, I'm a detective, and I like to name my cases. Oh, he did yeah, do. Of course he did, didn't he? Yeah. Sorry. So That's I, right, I, I had this idea that he was going undercover for some reason. Not yet. OK. <clears throat> yeah, so... Why do you care so much about a school full of barely supervised boys, anyway? Asked Gret, eyeing Christopher suspiciously. I'm a teacher there. Christopher blurted. The last thing he wanted was for this volatile detective to think he was a predatory paedophile on a day trip. Mm. I'm to be the new history master. Today is my first day. <laughs> Gret raised an eyebrow. No, really, Christopher went on. Mm. He always talked too much when he was nervous or in danger of becoming a registered sex offender. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting stuck in with the boys. <laughs> I mean, I mean, getting down to business with the boys. No, I mean, showing the boys my history puppies and, and getting them all to jump in my history van and, and, and drive to the magical history world that I keep in my history pants. Oh, goodness gracious, I'm not a paedophile. I'm just terrible at metaphors. Really, I'm about as good at metaphors as a man holding a melon in a who's got the smallest grape competition. <laughs> Shall I tell you what I think? Said mm. Greg Binchleaf. I think you shouldn't judge a man until you've walked a mile in his shoes. Unless he refuses to give you his shoes. In which case, judge him for not lending you his shoes. Give me your shoes, you shoe pillock. What? what have you glued them on? Who glues their shoes on? Someone with too much time on their hands and too much glue on their feet. Gret leaned into Christopher Pantington and spoke in a low voice. I also think if I'm going to find out what's going on at this school, I'll need to go undercover. Yeah. So, so what? Give me your shoes, you shoe pillock. <laughs> I beg your pardon? But before Christopher knew what had hit him, Gret had. <laughs> and the next thing he knew, the next thing he knew, he was waking up tied to a tree and wondering how such a promising day could have gone so terribly wrong. Meanwhile, Gret Binchleaf looked down at a sea of expectant young faces and wondered what they wanted. Mm. What do you dwarves want? <laughs> Gret asked. Sir, sir, said one of the short idiots. You're supposed to teach us history, sir. Gret stared at the boy who had spoken. He was thin and had an enormous red spot on the end of his nose, like a naturally occurring beacon to warn people that he was a twit. What's your name? Gret asked. Cocklemouth, sir. Oliver Cocklemouth. <laughs> My friends call me Ollie, 
They should call you Wally, on account of you being one, <laughs> said Gret, who was so pleased with his witticism that he gently patted himself on the head. <laughs> Good. This is something I added this morning, mm. and I thought that's a good new characteristic yeah. for Gret that he occasionally pats himself on the head. Yeah, it's good. Because he's pleased. Uh, yeah, no, so you, you, they should call you Wally on account of you being one. Yes, sir, said Ollie Cocklemouth, who from that point on would forever be called Wally. <laughs> right, history. I suppose that's stuff that happened in the past, is it? Shouldn't be too difficult. I was there for most of it. <laughs> Thanks to Gret Binchley from the adventure of time travelling to the past and becoming immortal. <laughs> Sir, sir, said Wally Cocklemouth. We're supposed to be starting the Civil War and the Restoration this term, sir. There's no such thing as a civil war, you pillock, <laughs> Gray explained. People try to kill each other in war. It's the least civil thing you can do. When your mum tells you to be civil to your grandma, she doesn't mean fly over in an aeroplane and drop <laughs> bombs on her. <laughs> Gret adjusted his corduroy jacket, or at least he tried to. He was wearing Christopher Pantington's clothes, which were at least 14 sizes too small for him. And he wasn't sure he'd ever be able to take them off again. The underpants were wedged so firmly up his butt crack he'd need King Arthur to pull them out. <laughs> Gret was starting to suspect that he should have planned this caper a little more carefully, rather than following his instincts, which all too often told him to punch people and steal their clothes. Your previous teacher must have been a right moron, he said. You're lucky I'm here before it's too late. So, the restoration, you say. Right. We'd better start with Gret Binchley from the adventure of nailing Charles II to a tree. That's a good one. <laughs> Charles II gets nailed to a tree in it. <laughs> Gret opened his bag and fumbled through the case files he always carried with him, in case he unexpectedly met a publisher. Ha! <laughs> sir, sir, said Wally Cocklemouth. Who's Gret Binchleaf? Uh, Who's Gret Binchleaf? <laughs> said Gret Binchleaf. He's the most significant figure in history that you've never heard of. He's a time-travelling, universe-jumping, cyber-Hitler-defeating ace detective <laughs> who's been killed at least eight times, become a god twice, and is afraid of nothing. Wow. In actual fact, Gret had a debilitating and sometimes fatal phobia of pies, ever since Gret Binchleaf and the adventure of the regular pies turning into killer pies. Fortunately... <laughs> Fortunately, there didn't seem to be anything scary in the classroom. Just a bunch of boys who, thank goodness, didn't have pastry round them. Mm. And he puts it about a bit, so he's probably the real biological father of most of you lot, <laughs> Gret told them. <laughs> Except you, Gret pointed, at, <laughs> Gret pointed at the fat, ugly kid sitting at the back, <laughs> who hadn't said anything yet, but Gret had taken an instant dislike to, <laughs> on account of him being fat and ugly. <laughs> What's your name? Grant Pinchloaf! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was always going to happen. Grant Pinchloaf, sir. My mum said that my father was a private detective who ran off. <laughs> a private detective who ran off screaming after she made shepherd's pie for dinner one day. Gret shuddered. Stealth pie, he thought. <laughs> pie disguised as innocent mash. Mm. All right, Pinchloaf, shut your stupid face and don't talk again until everyone else in the universe has definitely died, you ugly pillock. Gret smiled. A broad, bowel-shuddering smile, like a malevolent hippo with wind. Right, he said, opening his casebook. Let's learn some real history. The school bell rang and Gret closed his book. OK, you lot, he said. For homework, read Gret Binchley from The Adventure of the Invisible Milk. 
and be prepared tomorrow to discuss the socio-economic ramifications of no one being able to find their milk. Mm. The boys filed rambunctiously from the classroom and Gret leaned back on his chair. He was surprised to find that he quite enjoyed teaching. The boys had listened to his stories in a way that no one ever had before <laughs> and he relished the feeling that he was allowed to do whatever he liked to them. <laughs> Tomorrow, maybe he'd make someone stand in the corner, or wrap someone's knuckles with a ruler, or punch someone so hard they time-travelled to Christmas. <laughs> yes, teaching would offer a relaxing break from his usual, unpredictable life on the edge. Gret smiled contentedly and opened his emergency chip drawer for a mid-morning snack. Sodding fuck! Gret gasped. Inside Gret's chip drawer was a severed human head. Oh. The severed head of a boy, no more than 11 years old, staring up at him with empty grey eyes that reminded him of his 32nd wife, Veronica Collin, <laughs> who had tragically suffocated after she ate a big bag of magic mushrooms, became convinced that she was a spaceship and flew to the moon. Gret blinked away the image of Veronica Collins' aft fuselage disappearing into the clouds <laughs> and focused in on what really mattered. Mm -hmm. Here, he said, looking up at the empty classroom. Where's my bleeding chips? <laughs> <laughs> Who has moved Gret's chips? And why did they replace them with a severed head? Why is Gret masquerading as a teacher at a boys' school? Is he on a case? Or is this just something he does in his spare time? <laughs> What will happen to Christopher Pantington? Will Gret go back for him? Or will he leave him to freeze to death while tied to an emotionless tree? Find out in Chapter 2, or possibly Chapter 3 if Howard decides not to deal with it, <laughs> of Gret Binchleaf and the adventure of the complicated head. The continuing adventures of Gret Binchleaf, the soft-boiled private dick with a crippling fear of pies. Hello, listener. Oh, and it's time for Gret Binchleaf Chapter Two. And I think Howard, it's your turn. Yep, and well, I am psyched up and ready to go. I can't tell you how excited I am to hear it. Mm -hmm. Find out what happens next. So the plot so far. Okay, the plot so far. Gret Binchleaf loves to consensually tie up women and whip their titties. <laughs> On this occasion, however, without <laughs> consent, he has tied up a man and whipped his identity. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. All right. So wondered, you wondered where that was going, didn't you? Well, I, um, no, because you're writing it. I thought, <laughs> you, you know, any excuse to talk about whipping boobs and stuff. I didn't want to start with a boob joke. <laughs> but I did. I didn't want to. Because I, I hate me. I don't, I don't even like that joke, but it was like, I've got to have a plot so far, so it's going in. Yeah. Okay, so, but we've also learned that Gret likes tying up women consensually hmm. and whipping their boobs. Yeah. That's a new... That's something we didn't know about Gret before. You're going to find out something else you don't know about him right I now. <laughs> now he's undercover at a boys' school where he just got head from a small boy. <laughs> <laughs> Gret Binchleaf usually loves to get head from small boys. <laughs> Wait a second. Or to be specific, he loves to get head from Mrs. Agatha Small Boys okay. from number 23B. Okay, so she's an old lady, right? Yes. Okay, that's good. Okay, but... On this occasion, he doesn't love getting head because it's all decapitated and in his chip drawer. <laughs> Why? Who? Why? <laughs> Why? What? <laughs> Find out the answer to all these questions now in Gret Benchleaf and the Adventure of the Complicated Head, Chapter 2. Gret Benchleaf and the Adventure of the Anti-Gravity Client. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, sci-fi time. <laughs> yeah! <laughs>
<laughs> Brilliant. Uh, I was a bit bored with chapter one with its complete lack of sci-fi elements. The the the, the school that was disguised as a spaceship took off. <laughs> Aliens came out. Hang on, the school that was disguised as a spaceship. <laughs> yeah, okay. Don't you mean the other way around? No, because it's surreal. Because it, it wouldn't be able to take off if it was a school <laughs> disguised. As a, that's really surprising. <laughs> what you said was a school took off, but they painted it like a spaceship, like yeah, grey. No. <laughs> they were good, trying. Good start, Howard. They were, they were trying to get lots of spacemen to go to school. I think. <laughs> Trick that, them in. Oh, there's our rocket, Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> Go into the spaceship, <laughs> spacemen. Right, yeah. maths. <laughs> oh, no. I thought I was going to the moon, but now I've got to do a history class. Okay. Gret Binchleaf stood in the empty classroom, framed by the blackboard, upon which had been clumsily scrawled 50 times in childish handwriting, Gret Binchleaf is brilliant at sex. <laughs> Someone has to do lines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here, where's my bleeding chips, he said. Gret looked down at the amputated head in the chip drawer. It stared back indolently. And that was when Gret started to get a massive detection. <laughs> and said so. I'm getting a massive detection! <laughs> Most people didn't have detections as big as his. But then Gret Binchleaf was a big private dick. <laughs> of course! He exclaimed as his detection peaked. I ate the chips. <laughs> But not to worry, of course. There were always more chips. It's not like they could run out or something. <laughs> so, slamming the drawer shut on the offending noggin, Gret binched out of the classroom. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I was... Right, so we're going to take on the Smurf thing, right? <laughs> well, no, I was just trying to think. I wanted to say that he hurried out, and then I thought about Gret Binchleaf and he thought he doesn't hurry. Then no. I wanted to say that he hurried in the way that Gret Binchleaf would hurry out of a room, and I didn't want to get into a, a really yeah. long sentence. So I just thought, well, I'll just use binch as a, as a, as a doing word, a verb. Is that right? A verb. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As a child, the school cafeteria had proven itself to be dangerous territory for young Gret Binchleaf. He was saddened to learn, as an adult, little had changed. What's the choice? He asked the dinner lady. Pie and chips, she said. Or salad. <laughs> oh, that's a terrible thing, isn't it? Because it's, there's chips. Mm. But if he wants chips, he's got to have pie. Yeah. That's that's catch-22 for Gret Binchley. It's catch-22. I was going with catch-pinchy-pinch. <laughs> Mine makes more sense, but yours is better. <laughs> All right. Catch-pinchy-pinch. <laughs> Oh, good. Okay. Gret frowned. If there was one thing he hated more than dying from pies, it was salad. <laughs> He'd rather be dead with pastry coming out than eat a fucking leaf. <laughs> pie and chips, please, he oh said. Oh, God, this is a big moment. But hold the pie. Oh, OK. And when you hold it, hold it behind you, <laughs> as far away from me as possible. <laughs> Gret had been terrified of pies <laughs> ever since he climbed a really big one and made the mistake of looking down. Uh. He's afraid of pites, then. Mm. Yeah, I should have put that. <laughs> I just thought, like, and I couldn't think of anything. I thought, I'm just going to start m misunderstanding it completely from now. No, it's good, it's good. It's Go through it all the different phobias. Because yeah. um, there was the, the spider pies as well, and the other yeah, ones. Yeah, Eye pies. And there was a pie dis eye, eye pie dis pie. Eye pies. Spider eye pie. Spider, spider eye pie. Eye pie with my little eyes at the beginning with pies. It's a pie! Great <laughs> <laughs> bitch the least favourite game. Eye pie. Eye pie. <laughs> <laughs> That's what yeah. he hated as a kid. Yeah. Oh, no. oh, oh, great, no. let's play high pipe. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why he ate pies. Because the pie was always on his head. Because yeah. he was always it in the yeah, game yeah. of high pie. Mm. 
Gret took his plate of chips and glanced over to the teacher's dining table. There was only one seat, right next to the headmistress. Gret frowned again. Though he'd been here less than five hours, his relationship with the head was already complicated, <laughs> and she had changed her Facebook status accordingly. <laughs> so, so you're saying they are actually in a relationship? Yeah. Okay, good. How long has he been there? Five, less than five hours. <laughs> Well, he is irresistible to women. You're, you're, I, I reread yours to check, and then I realised that it, it basically got there and was immediately teaching history because yeah. Christopher Patton. So, so it's still the same day, basically. Um, he first met her at morning assembly, where he had said, "Hello, I'm the new teacher, Mr. Crispy Pants, or something." <laughs> then he had met her a second time at recess, where he had said, "I told my penis about you earlier, and he really wants to meet you." <laughs> Good chat up line. Have you ever used that one? No, I thought of it the other day and I wasn't even thinking of it in the context of Gret Binchley, but I just thought that was funny. And then I went, oh, I must be able to squeeze that in somewhere. Yeah, no, so good. this whole scene exists purely because of that. <laughs> Excellent. The third time he met her was in the stationery cupboard, where he had put his pencil in her pencil sharpener and then pulled it out, getting his pencil shavings all over her skirt. <laughs> right. Take, make, make that what you will. Yeah, I'm going to take that literally. Yeah, do that. Me too. <laughs> her name was Nicolette. Nicolette Patches and she didn't smoke after sex. <laughs> Gret turned his eyes from Nicolette, and looking around the busy dining hall, he spotted the unpopular kids' table. Even though there was plenty of room here, as he squoze his buttocks onto the bench, the unpopular kids were forced to scooch over and over until one of them dropped off the end with a thud, and then a splat as his dinner landed on his head. <laughs> hey, you boy, what are you doing on the floor like a pig? <laughs> Sorry, sir, said the boy. What, what's your name? Grant Pinchloaf! <laughs> <laughs> said Grant Pinchloaf. They should call you Grunt Pigloaf. Hey. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. Grunt like a pig, Pigloaf. <laughs> oink, oink. Oink, oink. Said Grant Pinchloaf, who from that point on would forever be called Grunt Pigloaf. <laughs> or at least for 18 days till the bullying became too much and he drank that bleach. Oh, God. The bullying by Gret. Because <laughs> there's no sign that he's been bullied by anyone else. This is horrifying. <laughs> OK. As Gret took his fork and aimed for a chip, he was annoyed to find the severed head of a young boy on his plate. <sighs> what? What is it now? Hissed Gret under his breath. <laughs> How's my case going, Binchweef? Asked the head. Binchleaf regretted ever taking on the spooky head as a client. <laughs> but... <laughs> But given it was so tenacious, he's, he'd ultimately been left with little option. Cool. So the head in the drawer yeah. wasn't a, like a, a physical head. Mm. It was it was his client that appears yes. in various places. Is, is, is he the only one that can see it? Yes. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. <clears throat> Some time earlier, <clears throat> it was the night of the Fat Detective Guild's annual show and tell. <laughs> On stage, Greg Big Beef <laughs> was detailing his most recent escapade, and it was a doozy. Greg Big Beef and the escapade of the rotating lamp chicken. <laughs> Just a lamp. And the only other thing I could think of was a chicken. <laughs> I'll let you know what I reckon, said Big Beef. And did. The crowd ooed and aahed and occasionally eed. Gret sat at the back, dripping, barely able to concentrate, his stomach in knots. Each a knot of self-doubt, including not clever, not good enough, mm. and not no shit. Mm. 
The last of these three, of course, was quite literal, as Gret Binchleaf has never known shit, given that his shit always vanishes to an alternate universe before it can ever hit the bowl. <laughs> Gret was suddenly wakened from his self-doubt as the gathering erupted into clapturous applause. Gret knew his alphabet. Binchleaf followed Big Beef. But how could he follow that performance? Greg Big Beef had been on stage and had totally smashed it. Gret squelched to his feet and glooped nervously toward the front. Gret stood before his peers, the sweat dripping from his nostrils. Or, or maybe it was snot. Or maybe it was his brain leaking again as a result of the chemo. <laughs> Hello everybody, I'm Gret Binchleaf and today I've brought a large leather-bound tome. Gret produced the tome from his sleeve with a flourish. What could possibly be interesting about a boring old book, I hear you ask? Well, let me tell you now, as I detail the thrilling events that took place in Gret Benchleaf and the adventure of the people turning into b Ah! Gret screamed quite suddenly as a floating severed head materialised in front of his eyes. Yeah. Or materialised, <laughs> as Gret liked to call it, and would have done if he were still conscious. <laughs> Gret awoke in hospital. Hello, Gret Binchweave, said the floating head. <laughs> ah, said Gret Binchleaf. <laughs> From then on, the head wouldn't leave Gret in peace. At first it was terrifying, but pretty soon it just became tedious. And then, after the head had headbutted Gret's front door for about a whole month, he finally let it in and agreed to take the head's case. <laughs> OK, said Gret to the head. Come in, have a s Have a hover. <laughs> Gret grabbed his notepad. Okay, first things first, name. Tony Wegg. Wegg with a W? No, with an L. What, Leg? Yes, Wegg. Your name's Tony Leg. <laughs> what, what's so funny, Binchweef? Toe, knee, leg. What's your middle name? Bum elbow. You're the embodiment of irony, you are. Only without the body. You're the inhediment of irony. The floating inhediment. And irony doesn't usually float, it sinks. <laughs> Gret had recently learned what irony was, and so pleased was he to be able to use it in a sentence. He awarded himself a badge. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, Tony Legg, can you think of any reason why someone would want to steal your body? For example, was it particularly hot and boobered? <laughs> I'm an 11-year-old boy. What do you think? I'll tell you what I think. Yeah. I think you're not an 11-year-old boy. You're an 11-year-old head. <laughs> I, I also think... <laughs> He's a detective. You can't put anything past him. <laughs> I also think I'll be the laughing stock of the Fat Detectives Guild if they find out that I have an 11-year-old head-shaped floating client who only I can see. So if you do want my help, quit being a smart ass. Next, quit being a smart neck and answer the question, who would want to steal your body? Obviously nobody wanted to steal my body. They wanted to cut my head off. Interesting okay. hypothesis. But <laughs> yeah. if that's the truth, then where is your body? Tony Legg would have shrugged, but he didn't have any shoulders, so he just kind of wiggled his eyebrows. <laughs> I rest my case, so I need to get into the mind of a thief. <clears throat> Let me see, here we go. <laughs> At the Guild, uber-famous fat detective Fubsy Falstaff had given a speech on imaginative empathy, and Gret was keen to try out this new methodology. OK, so... The mind of a bad man. I'm a bad, bad man. I'm a very bad man. And I really, really want the body of an 11-year-old boy. <laughs> Grit's secretary, Bendy, who had just entered, 
who had just entered, decided better of it and turned on her heel. <laughs> yeah. This is a waste of time, Binch Weef, squealed Tony after a week of imaginative empathy <laughs> and a random trip to France. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> just get your backside to my school and find the killer! Which brings us back to a head on a plate of chips in a school. Listen, Tony Lag, I can't solve anything in the daytime because I have to teach a mystery class. But as soon as it gets dark, I'll be on the case. You have my word. Now piss off and let me eat my chips. That night, as Gret slept like a particularly large log that couldn't be further off a case if it tried, out in the forest that surrounded the school, an age-old philosophical thought experiment was finally being solved by a tree. The question was this. If a stupid naked idiot shouts his head off in a forest and no one is around to hear him, does he make a sound? And the answer was, yes, he fucking does. And how are his emotionless trees supposed to get any fucking sleep when stupid naked idiot twats won't clam the fuck up? <laughs> the naked idiot twat in question had been yelling intermittently all day now. He was having a terrible day. There are no toilet breaks when you're tied to a tree, so Christopher Pantington had already crisped his pants twice. He'd literally crisped over his pants a ton. The, this is the naked man tied to a tree, right? <laughs> yeah, but he's, he's got pants on. Oh, has he? Okay. Yeah. He's, he's naked except for Gret didn't take those. He already had his own pants on. Oh, uh, no, he did. Um, that's mentioned, in fact. Yeah, but American pants. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he's because he's wearing his underpants, and they're so far up his bum that he needs. Okay, yeah. What Gret, what Gret did, not understanding how <laughs> swapping clothes works, is yeah. he put his own pants on on Christopher Pantington, <laughs> and took Christopher Pantington's okay. pants because <laughs> like, I've got I've got to stay in character. I've got to uh, yeah. I've got to wear the other man's pants <laughs> and his jacket, yeah. and nothing else. Yeah. Uh, what's he sound like again? Um, okay, pretty. Uh, he, was... he literally crashed. Christ- he literally crisped over his pants a ton, that and yelled a lot. Hello, hello! I say, is anybody there? Yelled Christopher Pantington, and until this very moment, there hadn't been. But now, now he saw a movement in the dark of the dark woods. Oh, thank heavens! I thought nobody would ever come. He called with relief. <laughs> hello, Brian. Blessed. Trees and trees and friend. But just then, the cloud shifted, allowing the moonlight to illuminate the forest. And like a woman removing her blindfold to discover you're not the thin, muscular man you claimed, Christopher saw. The next morning, in the warm light of a brand new day, at the foot of a happily dreaming tree, lay Christopher Pantington's dead, severed head. And elsewhere, in his boarding school bedroom, Gret Binchleaf awoke to find not one, but two spherical floating guests. Who or what is killing people's heads and stealing their bodies? And if only their heads are ghosts, does that mean that their bodies are still alive and like breathing through some other hole? Has perhaps Professor Doctor Who followed through with his plan of cryogenically freezing bodies instead of heads? (laughs) Find out that the last one of those is definitely true next time on Gret Binchleaf and the Adventure of the Complicated Head. If you enjoy Gret Binchleaf and would like much, much more, then you should join the Secret Gang because right now in the Secret Gang, we are writing book eight of <sighs> Gret Binchleaf. That means you can get those chapters as we write them, but you can also get your hands on all the other books. Uh, all those other, I guess, if this is the second one we've released Fucking on this one, then there must hell. be five other books, right? Shit me. Yeah, well, I will <laughs> shit you, but first I'm going to have to eat you. Yes. So while I, do, while I do that, let's listen to a trailer for Gret Binchleaf and the adventure of the glow-in-the-dark chickens exclusive to the secret gang. Bitchy!
If you're enjoying this Gret Binchleaf adventure, there are many more exclusively available from patreon.com forward slash man by cow. Gret Binchleaf, the irresistible man muffin and world's greatest detective, according to the May 1986 edition of Brillo Dillo Detective magazine. <laughs> there are already seven books and many short stories available, and we're writing more all the time. Hello, this is Gret Binchleaf, unstoppable sex smorgasbord and world's greatest detective. Yes, I can prove it. I've got the magazine cover on my office wall. <laughs> Gret smiled at the framed cover of Brillo Dillo Detective magazine, his proudest possession, and despite its age, it still looked as bright and colourful as the day he'd drawn it. <laughs> Probably because he'd used such expensive crayons. <laughs> For just $2, you can immediately download or stream Gret Pinchleaf and the Adventure of the Glow-in-the-Dark Chickens, starring Henrietta and Dagenham the Tree Pig. My name is Dagenham. How nice of you to be interested, he said, apparently not caring what Henrietta's name was. This made Henrietta feel a little cheesed off, but she knew it would be wrong to show it, so she did her best to appear cheesed on. <laughs> a 12-chapter story in which Gret travels to the magical land of Underspace. Underspace? Yes. You've heard of outer space, of course. Yes, that's where aliens come from. My teacher, Mr. Pillock, says that sometimes aliens land their spaceships on Earth to stock up on crisps and toilet paper. And crispy toilet paper, which aliens use because they have crispy Bumble that bum crisps come out of. Sign up for $2 and get immediate access to this and other Gret Binchleaf stories, as well as all episodes of Man by Cow and much, much more. I'll tell you what I think, said Gret. I think if you give a man a chip, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man to chip, you feed him for a lifetime. Gret Binchleaf and the Adventure of the Glow in the Dark Chickens, available now from patreon.com forward slash man by cow.